was thinking to myself as I was looking through all these photos, and I was thinking, you know what, we've, we've got the makings of the Christmas story here as well. I mean, we've got a young girl. So uh, Mary was probably a young teenager when this whole palaver of a, an event happened to her. We've got an angel. The angel comes to Mary and says, behold, wow, fantastic, good news, you're going to have a baby. And Mary goes, how's that going to work? Because I can tell you now that me and my boyfriend, we've been really good. We've been doing the Christian side hugs. That's all we've done. That's as far as it goes. And the angel says to Mary, he says, well, actually, it's going to be a miracle of God. It's going to be fantastic. You're going to be carrying the Messiah. It's going to be astounding. And Mary goes, wow, you better have a chat with Joseph. Now, we do have Joseph. That's him. And the angel comes to Joseph, who isn't feeling particularly happy right now that his fiancée is pregnant. And the angel comes to Joseph and says, don't worry, Mary's been good, she's been faithful to you, it's, everything's fine. What's happened is God's done a miracle and actually she's carrying this very, very precious baby. It's not of you, of course it's not, it's actually God. And Joseph says, wow, how am I going to explain that to my mother? And in fact, he actually says to Joseph, look, I want you to name him Jesus. Jesus is the Greek version of Joshua. Joshua means the Lord saves. Jesus is going to save us from our sins. That's where the whole meaning of the name comes from. And so they go on a journey, and they go on a journey to Bethlehem. Can you imagine? All these photos are just along here, by the way. So you can all come back and have another look at them later on and piece together the story for yourselves. As he's making that journey to Bethlehem, can you imagine what's going through Joseph's mind? He's going back to his hometown. Small group, small village. Everybody knew him. All, all, the, all the people he grew up with. And he's coming back with a pregnant girlfriend. Imagine saying that. I didn't... God did it. Sure, sure. And so we've got this journey to Bethlehem, and then they arrive, and finally there is a manger. There's the manger just up here. And then in time, there is a baby who makes everybody go, ooh. In fact, let's do it again. There's a manger, and then there's a baby in time who makes everybody go, ooh. The same angel then goes to a bunch of shepherds. We've got those there as well. There's the proof. And he goes to the bunch of shepherds and he says, wow, you're going to love this. There's going to be a baby born. In fact, the baby has been born. It's not just any baby. This is the savior of mankind. This is the king of the world. There's the angel saying it. And you really need to get ready because he is going to be on the throne. So Rachel, will you get off his throne? And they say, wow, that's really cool. Can we go? Because we never get invited to christenings. Ever. That's a joke. There was no christenings back then. You're supposed to laugh then. We're always muddy and we're always smelly and we always smell like animals and nobody invites us to anything. Can we go? And so, yes. And so they go on their journey and they finally they get to a manger and they find a baby that makes everybody go, whoa, and they bow down, they kneel down, something that you're not supposed to do if you're a Jew to any human being. And at that moment, then there are angels that fill the sky <laughs> and sing the hallelujah chorus. In time... There are wise men that come from the east. <laughs> They're following a star. 
and they have gifts with them, gold and frankincense and, and mince pies. <laughs> and after thwarting the evil plans of a horrid person named Herod, in fact, we've got a picture of him as well. You might have seen him before. <laughs> I mean, look at that face, my goodness. After thwarting Herod's plans, they go on their own journey and they find the star. And what do they do? They find a baby that makes everybody go, ooh. And they, kings from other countries, bow down. You don't do that to another country's king. You're basically saying you have power over us too. Because the light of the world had come. And everything would be different from this point on. Uh, As your uh, objective judge of the photographic competition, it was, of course, inappropriate for me to judge my own photos and put them in or anything like that and be part of the competition. So I wasn't a part of the competition, but I did slip in a couple of photos. And you're going to be wondering why this photo that I'm going to share with you next is actually what I see when I look at Christmas. What's Christmas through my eyes? Imagine with me for a moment that you are mowing the lawn one morning, you're over at your mother's place mowing the lawn, and a couple of guys walk up. And very soon you find yourself handcuffed, they take you and put put you into their police car, and your house is searched. And you're saying, officers, officers, what is going on? I, I, I don't understand. And they say, well, we're arresting you on charges of robbery. And you say, well, I haven't robbed anyone. I'm innocent. And one of the police officers says, I don't care. Whether you're guilty or innocent, you're still going down for this. It gets worse. The charge of robbery escalates to become a charge of double murder. And in fact, the crimes happened 15 miles away from where you were. And in fact, you've got a whole bunch of workers, and including your supervisor, who confirmed that you were here while these were things were happening over here. But it still doesn't matter. You go to jail. You await your day in court, you wait for two years in jail by the time it comes around for you to have your story heard. And on that day, the jury convicts you and says that you're guilty. The judge sentences you to death and he sends you to death row where you live for the next 28 years. Now, this is a real story from this man. His name's Anthony Ray Hinton. It's exactly what happened to him in 1985. He went into jail a young man. 30 years later, he came out an old man. And he was really kind of convicted largely because of the color of his skin. Everything that he experienced was injustice. He went through injustice after injustice. He went through a lie detector test. He said, look, I didn't do it. Put me under a lie detector. I'll prove to you. He passed the lie detector test. Then the results were ruled inadmissible in court. That's very handy, isn't it? All the sorts of things that he faced, they didn't give him a good lawyer to kind of help him get his story out. Ten years later, he was still trying to get the story out. Ten years. And then he was, he was on death row for 28 years. He watched 50 people go to their death. When the executions happened, his cell was right next to the execution room. He smelt it. He heard it. He saw it. Finally, 2015 turned out to be Good Friday of all special days. The US Supreme Court overturned his sentence and he was finally freed. Went in an old young man, came out an old man. And yet when I heard him interviewed on the BBC, I was astounded at what he said. The BBC interviewer noted that you don't seem to be very bitter towards these people who have ruined your life. 
And you know what Anthony Ray Hinton said? He said, the joy that I have, even death row can't take away from me. On the day that he was sentenced, he looked at the jury, he looked at the judge, and he said, you've all just sent an innocent man to his death. But I'm not going to hate you. I'm going to love you. He looked at the police officers, the bailiffs, the detectives who'd all just lied about him on oath, and they said, I'm not going to love you either. I'm not going to hate you either. I'm not going to hate you either. He said, you've sent an innocent man to, to, to his death. One day, the God who is there and the God who knows I'm innocent, you're going to stand before that God. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray that that God forgives you before that moment because it's not going to be pretty. I'm going to pray that God forgives you. So I ask you, where did he get that joy from and where did he have that power to be able to bless those who persecute him and to love those who had done him so wrong? Here's another photo that says to me Christmas. And you're going to look at that and go, why does that say Christmas to you? This is Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic. A few years ago, I was walking this place. It's actually a very high crime area run by gangs, high unemployment, um, very high poverty. And I was walking through with this. In fact, it might be this photo. After I took the photo, all the people actually said, put your camera away, Sheridan. You'll get mugged. So I put the camera away, and after this, I went and climbed a little rickety ladder. I climbed up to a second-story... It's a shanty room, really. And I went to interview this child and his mother about how local churches were helping them live in a place like this and helping them kind of change their lives. And the interview was just starting to go well. And then about five minutes later, the guy just on the right, just in the centre there, Chris, he came up and he said, "I, I think we need to go. And I said, well, the interview's just going well. Just give me five more minutes. And he said, okay, five more minutes. He came back two minutes later. And he said, Sheridan, we need to go now. It turned out that a local gang leader was marshalling a crowd downstairs to ambush us. He was carrying a machete. So we left quickly. And we went from that area onto another area of Santo Domingo that was just as impoverished, just as highly kind of crime-ridden, but we had no problems at all. Later on, I discovered why. There, wherever I went to interview these families, another gang leader, the most feared in the area, stood outside each home, the front door, to stand guard. And when I found out why, it turned out because local churches were feeding, clothing, and educating his daughter, and because they were serving his daughter, helping her rise out of poverty, he was going to stand by us and protect us. Cool story, huh? Cool story. Here's where these things connect with Christmas. Everything we've been talking about, everything we've been singing about this morning, this is just the kind of next chapter of... This is what Ray Hinton is experiencing Christmas in his own way. And the people of Santo Domingo, even the drug lords, even the gang leaders are starting to get touched by the Christmas story. What is the Christmas story? The great God of the universe, who the universes can't contain, makes himself so small that he squeezes himself into the body of a baby boy, the one who is born to be the king of the world the king of all the universe. And this boy grows, and even though he's heralded by angels, and even though there's miracles that kind of surround his birth, 
And even though kings come and bow down, even though shepherds, notice kings and shepherds, all socioeconomic levels, all come together, bow the knee. This is for the rich, this is for the poor, this is for everybody in between. But even still, he's born in a little backwater town. Nobody's thought about Bethlehem before. And he's born in a feeding trough and basically in the room where the animals sleep at night. This is not really the kind of thing that you'd expect for a king born into the world, let alone the king of the universe. And very soon he's confounding the religious scholars in the temple and very soon he's going on a speaking tour when he turns 30 and he's, gosh, he's a pretty good preacher. But he's more than a preacher, it's all the people that he touches. He touches all the wrong people He hangs out with all the right people. He hangs out with all the wrong people as well. And so he's touching all the untouchables. You're not supposed to touch lepers. You could get contagious kind of diseases as a result, but he touches them, heals them. Not supposed to touch women who are are bleeding, but he touches them, heals them. Not supposed to touch dead bodies. He touches them, raises them back to life. He hangs out with the prostitutes and the thieves and the gang leaders, those people who are running all the religious and political extremist parties, and they change as a result of being in his presence. He goes to all the wrong people, and he touches all the people you're not supposed to touch. And then his sermons, you should have heard his sermons. He said things that nobody else had ever said before, and in fact, things that nobody in the history of religion have ever said since. Things like, love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. Pray for those who hate you. Anthony Ray Hinton, I'm cottoning on to you. He said, if you believe in me, I will come by my spirit and live within you. And he's not talking in metaphorically there. I will come and I will live within you and I will give you joy that can be beyond the circumstances that you're facing. Anthony Ray Hinton, I'm on to you. I know what your secret is. And he said then, as people do that, things will change and that love will actually spread and people in all different walks of life, even the gang leaders in Santo Domingo will start to be touched and communities and societies and whole nations will be changed. And the crowds loved it. They loved it until he started getting controversial, until people started waking up and going, hang on a sec, if this is the king of the world in, well, that means that the political kings that we have, and it means that the religious leaders, they don't have the power that they should. And it means that you and I, who maybe have had ourselves on the throne, well, we don't have the power that we should. Maybe we should be getting rid of him. And so there was a conspiracy, the religious leaders and the political leaders, the believers, the unbelievers, the secular, the sacred, all together, all of humanity got together, put up a plan, captured him, spat on him, dressed him up in a fake crown and a fake robe, marched him down the road, ridiculed him like a clown, and then killed him. And then three days later, what happened then? Gosh, there's a rumor that he came back to life. And so for 2,000 years, friends, what's been happening is the Christmas story has been kind of spreading because this is just the beginning of a very big, very cool story in which people are going all around the world now and are saying... Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and now he's changing lives and he's renewing the world. He's changing people like Anthony Ray Hinton. He's starting to do all sorts of wonderful things in the slums of Santo Domingo. And this is happening everywhere. It's even happening here in Oxford. And friends, this is the thing. The great Christmas invitation is that this story can continue to be incorporated into our stories. It can actually come and rewrite our stories as we find our part in the story. We find our place 
in the narrative of Christmas, where our lives are changed, where we step off the throne of our lives, just like Rachel has done, just so we finish the story. Rachel did that, she jumped out of the throne, and we can allow the one who is the rightful ruler to step in, look after our lives, guide it, bring the broken pieces back together, bring joy, joy for all people. That's the Christmas message.